The following Pay Joseph Prince Ministries program is brought to you by our Grace Legacy Builders. Today with Joseph Prince. God took all our sins based on His knowledge, not our limited meager knowledge, and put it on Jesus Christ so that God punishes our sins based on His knowledge, they are all forgiven. When my heart was broken and I was just hurting a lot, the Lord used Pastor Prince and his messages to just bring healing and comfort. I was actually just uh, flipping through the TV one day and he was sharing the message of grace, just the message of a righteousness is from him and how he gives us our identity and everything we have is from him. It just lit my heart on fire. If the gospel of grace has impacted your life, I would like to invite you to join us as a Grace Legacy Builder. Let's advance the gospel of grace together. Visit the link on your screen to be part of leading a legacy of grace today. You all ready for God's Word? All right, I'm going to dive right into the Word of God, and I pray that you'll be blessed by it. In fact, wisdom is different from knowledge in that when you talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, a word of wisdom gives you a, 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 a general picture of the future. Amen. A word of knowledge gives you a specific word for the present time. Like for example, you can be praying, and I've had this happen to me also down through the years. You can be praying for somebody who is now 45 years old, and the person is embarrassed and very shy to uh, stand in public and even speak, you know. So the person doesn't know why. But when I'm praying for the person, the Lord says seven years old, or the Lord will say five years old. And that's a word of knowledge, just a word. God doesn't give paragraphs. It's none of my business. God will give me enough to help the person. So I say, what happened to you when you were five years old? Um, did anything happen to you? Or the most embarrassing thing happened. I still feel it today. You know, my, my, uh, six years old or whatever, my teacher made me stand up in front of the class and, and, and sing a song that I never wanted to. And I was so embarrassed and she made fun of me or whatever. And now you are feeling that even though you're 45. So we pray for that, that God will heal that. And guess what? This leaf of being shy to stand in public being embarrassed, all right, in front of people, just falls off. So God cares, God loves, and God has these words of knowledge, God has wisdom. Today I want to share with you God's wisdom, all right, His plans and His purposes. Are you ready? The law demands righteousness from sinfully bankrupt men. Grace imparts righteousness to sinfully bankrupt men. The first miracle of Moses, who was a servant of God, was to turn water into blood, resulting in death. The first miracle of grace, which is through the Son, Jesus Christ, not a servant, but the Son, is to turn water into wine, resulting in life and celebration. When God first gave the law, 3,000 people died at the foot of Mount Sinai. When God gave the Spirit, 3,000 people were saved at Mount Zion. So that tells us the Ten Commandments, the latter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And people still have this idea from the flesh that, well, if I don't have the law, I cannot be holy. But the Bible says in Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under law, but under grace. It is only when you are not under law that sin will not have dominion over you. But not under law doesn't mean lawless. You're under grace. And grace empowers you to go and sin no more. Can I have a good amen, church? Praise the Lord. So Israel was under law for 1,500 years. 
Grace is longer. We've been under grace for 2,000 years. Are you listening, people? So for 1,500 years, they were under law, and the best of them failed. David failed. All right? And uh, the law condemns the best of us. Grace saves the worst of us. Hallelujah. And for 1,500 years, Israel was under the law, but God still dealt with them until they committed idolatry. In other words, they exchanged gods. And God, God said, as a result, God brought in the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar, whom God calls my servant. Remember this, God can use secular authority to chastise his people. That happened in the Old Testament. Okay? So, the thing is this. God brought Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians and they took Israel, all right, burned down the, uh, 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 the temple and took Israel away in captivity. And that's where you find the story of Daniel and all that. And when Daniel was in captivity, Daniel had a dream. First of all, the king Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And Daniel was a Jew taken in captivity. That goes to show that even in captivity, God still has mercy. And just cut long story short, in Daniel's book, Daniel talks about the, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, but he cannot interpret. You see, wisdom is being able to interpret what you see. And, and Nebuchadnezzar saw this great statue and all that, and the first empire, second empire, third empire, and the fourth empire. And later on, Daniel saw the same thing in terms of animals. He saw a ram, he saw, he saw a, a goat, and all this speaks of the four empires, a Gentile empires, non-Jewish empire. We are now in the last empire, by the way, Gentile. So God meant for, for, for Israel to, to dominate the, the entire earth with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea, but they failed. So God talked about Gentile empire. And the first one is Nebuchadnezzar himself. He is the, uh, what empire is that? Babylon, Babylonian empire that conquered the known world then. And after him will come the two horns that Daniel saw, which is uh, Cyrus and uh, uh, Darius, which is Medes and the Persians, okay? And then the Persians became very powerful, okay? And the Persians uh, tried to conquer, in fact, they, they conquered Greece. That's when the 300 story came out how the 300 uh, Spartan warriors in Greece stood, stood against the Persians, but ultimately they lost. And because of that, there's a lot of bitterness in, in, in the hearts of Greece. Greece was uh, not even a nation. There was a broken up nation of, of, of villages and hamlets and all that. And Daniel saw that from Greece, the goat, he saw a goat with a notable horn coming out, and that is Alexander the Great. He saw all this in 600, BC, 600 over BC. Alexander was born 300 over BC. That's more than, more than uh, 300 years. He saw all that happen. And he saw this uh, notable horn coming against the Middle Persians and hammer the, the ram so hard, the ram fell, and this uh, goat conquered it. By the way, Alexander named the sea in Greece, Aegean Sea. And Aegean means goat, which is the vision of Greece that Daniel saw. And another vision he saw of, of Greece was, it's a picture of a leopard, and, and, and his conquest was as if the feet never touched the ground. That talks about Alexander's conquest of the known world. He conquered so fast that, that, you know, like no other king after him. It was so fast, one nation after another. 
And then Daniel saw in the vision, the horn was broken suddenly. Alexander died suddenly at 33 years old. And Daniel saw that, that after he, this horn was cut off, Alexander died suddenly. It was divided into four empires. And four generals of Alexander took over. Are you listening, people? And after the Greece empire, he saw another empire stronger than every other empire. It was the Roman empire. And that's the time that Jesus was born. Are you all with me so far? So in other words, because Israel failed, God allowed Gentile dominion to come in. All right, the Babylonians, then the Middle Persians, and then the Greece, and then the Romans. And then God prophesied, and Daniel saw, God gave Daniel a vision of the end times, that after the Roman uh, Empire ends, there'll be another revived Roman Empire, from which the Antichrist will come out from the regions where Rome used to conquer. Right now, you must understand that everything revolves around the nation of Israel. And why does the devil hate them so much? Because God chose them, to bear light and testify of Him, of His goodness. And then God sent His Son as a Jew. So it was while during the Gentile domination, the Rome, Roman domination, that in a little town called Bethlehem, Christ was born, the Savior of the world. So it's almost like this. God looked at the nation of Israel and God said, I'm going to give you priests. They killed their priests. They rejected their priests. And God says, I'll send you prophets. All right? They rejected the prophet. They disobeyed the word of God in the, in the prophet's mouth. And then they wanted a king. God says, okay, I'll give you a king. But they want, they want God's king. They want, they want uh, their king. And King Saul felt miserably. Amen? So, both priests, prophet, king, all failed. Then Jesus came. And he is the son of God. And he has all the offices, all the threefold office of a prophet, priest, and king. And in Matthew 12, chapter 12, he was preaching to the leadership of Israel that rejected him. But the ultimate rejection was in Matthew 12. And that's why Matthew 13, it tells us Jesus left the house and went by the seaside and taught for the first time the seven kingdom parables. Parables hide truths from those who have no heart for it, but reveals wonderful gems to those who are hungry for it. That's the purpose of a parable. And a parable of the kingdom uh, was shared in Matthew 13 for the first time. And the very first verse says he left the house. House always represents Israel. There's a reason even for his movements. The Bible, is every detail is full of and pregnant with divine significance. He left the house, left Israel, and went by the seaside. Sea always represents the nations of the world. Are you listening, people? And he preached. Now, what happened? What caused him to leave the house and go to the seaside? Because in chapter 12, 12 comes before chapter 13, the kingdom parables. Right? 12 is before 13, right? 1, 2, 3. Okay. 12. Chapter 12 tells us about the leadership rejecting Jesus Christ. And that's when he talked about sinning against the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit in chapter 12 of Matthew. And then in Matthew 12, he says, there's one here, referring to himself, that is greater than the temple. The temple is where the priests are. So he's saying what? He's greater than all the priests. And then in the same chapter 12, he said, a greater than Jonah is here. And then right after that, the next verse, he says, a greater than Solomon is here. Of all the kings that ever lived, 
no one was wiser and more prosperous than Solomon. And he says that greater than Solomon is here. So Jesus Christ, who is prophet, priest, king, greater than the greatest priest, greater than the greatest evangelist, greater than the greatest prophet or king, he's here before them, and the leaders of Israel rejected him in his threefold glory. Do you see that? Do you understand? They kept on rejecting him. Even though he went about his kingdom that he says, and he says, he says things like this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus wasn't preaching exactly the gospel of grace yet, even though he was full of grace. Because the full revelation is not there. So he went around preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's telling them, people, this is the kingdom of heaven. He unstopped deaf ears. He opened the eyes of the blind. He cleansed the lepers. He raised the dead. He loved the children. Where there was scarcity, he multiplied the five loaves and two fish and became abundance with 12 baskets full left over. Jesus comes to bring light into our darkness, to bring out plenty from, from little, to give us life, health, longevity. He's come. He's the king of life. He's called the king of Shalom, Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of Shalom. You say Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, what does that mean? That means he is the one that masters it. All right, you say he's the king of, he's the king of uh, musicians, he's the king of chefs. That means he must make very good food. Well, Jesus is the king of Shalom. He knows how to make your body perfectly well. Amen. He knows how to set your mind perfectly at poise, at peace. He can adjust your spirit until it's so full of tranquility that you acquiesce, acquiesce in His peace, in His tranquility. What a life. Shalom. Amen. But they rejected Jesus. The king is in their midst. Their own king. That's why when he was crucified, Pilate put on that Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And what kind of king is he? He's a king that wears their clothes, walks amongst them, and the only thing he asks is that, let me heal your broken places. Let me lift you up. Let me raise you. Amen. Let me encourage you. Let me bless you. Let me bring plenty into your poverty. Let me bring light into your darkness. That's the king that he is. In light of all that, they rejected him. Wow. They rejected him. Yet he loved them. You know, when they crucified him, the Bible tells us when he was crucified on the cross. I want you to know something. Nobody can take his life from him. He himself said, no man taketh my life from me. I lay down my life. I lay down my life. If Jesus never surrendered, you know when they came to arrest him, Soldiers brandishing their staves and their swords, holding torches. Many of them came to the Garden of Gethsemane to arrest one man. And that one man said one word when they said, we are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He stepped forward and he spoke the name of God in the burning bush. When Moses asked, what is your name? God says, I am that I am. When they asked, we are looking for Jesus. Jesus stood up and says, I am. And these strong soldiers with weapons fell. All of them fell in the garden. If only Mel Gibson had that. He never consulted me, so never mind. I just asked for 0.01%. That's it. But isn't it better to stay with God's Word? 
they all fell. Here, the captive was waiting for the captivators to get up. Are you all ready now? He gave himself. And on that cross, God gave the nation another chance. All right, do you know the, with the cross people, it's not Jesus died as a martyr. Some people watch the movie, The Passion, and think, oh, poor thing, horrible, what they did to him. No, it was God's predetermined plan that God should send his son to die for our sins. Amen. On the cross, he, knew, he who knew no sin, who did no sin, in him is no sin, but he became a sin offering on the cross with your sins, with my sins, and God took all our sins based on his knowledge, not our limited meager knowledge, and put it on Jesus Christ, so that God punishes our sins based on his knowledge, they are all forgiven. There is no such thing as you committing a sin tomorrow that God says, oh man, I forgot to put that one in. We're not forgiven based on our knowledge based on our being cognizant of our sin, where we, are, we realize we have sinned, we take that sin and we confess to God. You think for one moment there's no other unconfessed sin in your life? If you go by confession of sins as your forgiveness, I'm telling you, even after you confess, because most of us confess only the big ones, there are many, many sins yet to be confessed. We cannot confess based on our knowledge. We have to confess that God has forgiven us based on His knowledge how that tranquilizes the heart, how that emancipates our hearts, how that gives peace to our conscience. I can tell you, even atheists who don't believe in God, there's one thing they cannot escape, their conscience. Something that tells them when they have done wrong, it tells them so. They can try to quench it with alcohol, they can try to quench it with loud music, they can try to quench it when they go home and they're sleeping, it's still with them. One thing you cannot run away from is your conscience. That man God, when they partook from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Hmm? But for us, we can stand with God, before God with a good conscience. A good conscience means I can meet my debtor that I owed uh, $10,000, but now somebody paid $50,000 on my behalf. Now I can see him in the face and know that not only am I forgiven of my debt, but he has become enriched because of me. That's how forgiven we are. At the cross, when lightning and thunders were flashing right over Jesus' head, God Almighty unleashed upon Jesus' body all the fury of righteous wrath, holy wrath, righteous indignation, punishment, holy vengeance against all lawlessness and sins of man all fell upon Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can absorb all of God's judgment. And that's the reason why at the cross for the first time, Jesus cried out, my God, my God. He calls his father, my God, for the first time. Always he calls him father. But at the cross, God wasn't dealing with the son. God was dealing with a substitute, with a sin offering. Jesus addressed God, not as father, but as God. Do you understand, people? It is a mystery. At the cross, as God, he turned his back because he's of purer eyes than to behold evil. But as Father, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was never more pleasing to the Father than when he laid down his life in obedience to him. Hmm. And that's the reason why in the book of Leviticus, of all the five offerings, burnt offering, meal offering, peace offering, sin and trespass offering, 
they are called the most holy offering. What a mystery. When he became sin, it was a most holy offering. I got a problem when people say things at the cross. Instead of saying Jesus became sin, they say he became he became a murderer. At the cross, he became a rapist. At the cross, he became a, a pedophile. I got a problem with that. That is man's language, not skill in describing the language of Scripture. The Bible says he did take our sins as a sin offering. But it's another thing to say all those things. Nothing is more holy than that. Sacrifice on the cross. As the dark clouds cleared, the tempest died down. Jesus looked up. Once again, the sin has all been taken. He cried, finished. It's all finished. Once more, he addressed God as Father. Can you see that? Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And from that time on, Nobody can even break a bone of his body. God honored him. God laid him in a tomb that no one has ever used. And on the third day, to show how God has accepted his sacrifice and all of us are forgiven. We're not forgiven because God says, you know what, I know you boys, you know, you always sin. I, I, I sweep your, your sins under my carpet. No, no, no. We are forgiven judiciously. We are forgiven righteously. We are forgiven on a foundation that no one can dispute. Amen. Somebody paid for us. Are you listening? That's why when you sin, you cannot just, you know, look at the sin and say, oh, I've sinned and all that. You got to revert that to the cross. You got to see, that's what happened to Jesus. He was punished for our sin, for this sin I just committed, so that I'll never be punished. Someone say, well, Pastor Prince, like this, people will take advantage. And, no, do you think you can take advantage of someone who loves you so much that he took your sin, even that sin that you commit, or any sin you'll commit tomorrow, and still say, you know, you know what, I, I don't care about how I lived, whether I dishonor him or not, I'll just leave Hannah. Do you think a person will do that? It's for the lack of this kind of preaching. People are living licentious lifestyle. Pulpit is a place to unveil things so that people believe right. And when they believe right, they will live right. They will think right. They will do right. It is for the lack of this kind of preaching that people are not living right. Not because they are bad people, but no one taught them so. If you, go, you see a poor boy in a, poor, uh, uh, in a slum area growing up, not knowing anything, using profanity that he hears from his parents and all that, you don't blame the boy. It's what he believes all his years. He's been hearing the wrong thing. Don't judge him based on his behavior. Don't be shocked when sinners act like sinners. That's why they call him sinner. When you see a drunken act like a drunk, it's so horrible. He's acting like a drunk. He's a drunk. <laughs> so why are we surprised when a sinner acts like, like a sinner? Amen? So here we go. Jesus on the cross. He, his death fully met all the claims of divine holiness. To the point, God is satisfied. God, God is acquiesced in his requirements from sinful man. Jesus took our place and fully met all the claims of divine holiness. God, Jesus has glorified. He even magnified the law by fulfilling it. Do you understand why there's no condemnation for us? It is not because God sweeps everything under the carpet. It's because Jesus died in our place. You see, something about you all, 
and all of us, you know, we have this tendency. We, albeit unconscious many a times, when we do something wrong, we feel a need to punish ourselves. Whether you're conscious or not, you feel a need to punish yourself. Young people cut themselves nowadays. They feel a need to feel pain, cut themselves. Parents divorce, they cut themselves. They blame themselves. There is this thing to punish yourself, which is amazing. I, I, cannot, I cannot explain it. This conscience thing says when something wrong is done, payment must be made. And that's why when you sin, you must see, there is your judgment. There is your beating. There is your condemnation. So that there is therefore now no condemnation. Not because God has gone soft. Because the holy God, if He punishes me for the same sin that Jesus was punished for, He will be unholy. So God's holiness is now on my side. With so much turmoil and uncertainty in the world, it's hard not to get caught up in fear and anxiety. The good news is, in the midst of all the chaos, you can still find hope and peace in Jesus Christ. If you're struggling with fear, we want to send you Joseph's book, Thoughts for Let Go Living, for your gift of any amount to the ministry today. Filled with daily reflections to help you trust in God's grace and let go of your cares, this book will help you find peace in the midst of uncertainty. Call now and we'll also include a sermon CD and bonus digital video stream where Joseph shares more on how to find security in times of anxiety. If you or a loved one is struggling with fear and worry, we have more resources to encourage and strengthen you for the journey ahead. Know that when you request a resource from Joseph Prince Ministries, your gift goes directly to reaching even more people who need to hear the message of grace. Because of you, we can continue to share the good news of our Lord Jesus and transform lives all around the world. Don't wait another day to start living a life of freedom and peace. Visit us at josephprince.org or call us toll free at 877-901-4300 to get these resources today. For faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. Amen. Focus on God's Word and find freedom. There is a now word for you. Stay tuned. I believe that there is a corporate anointing whenever we come together to worship the Lord as the body of Christ, even online. So if you're looking to be part of a community of grace believers, join us for service every Sunday. God bless you. And I'll see you online for church this weekend. Join our digital service every Sunday at gracerevonline.com. Next on Joseph Prince. 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost. The first Pentecost, the Jewish people will tell you that, was at Mount Sinai. God gave the Ten Commandments, the law. 3,000 died at Mount Zion. On the day of Pentecost, God gave the Spirit, not the law. 3,000 were saved. That goes to show the letter, the commandments kill, grace saves. I want to be under grace. I want to have life. I don't want death. How about you? Help us proclaim the life-changing gospel of grace far and wide. Join us as a Grace Legacy Builder. You can make a real difference in the lives of many today. Visit josephprince.org or call 877-901-4300 to find out more. 
Joseph Prince Ministries is a Section 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible for the amount that exceeds any fair market value of the materials you receive from us. program is brought to you by our Grace Legacy Builders. Thank you for helping us proclaim the gospel of grace around the world.